0: You're listening to... Whoa! Hot luck! Hot
1: luck! And welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian-American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Rira Yu. And we are here to discuss our September 2023 book club pick, The Family Chow um, by Lan Samantha Cheng. Um, As always, the Books and Boba podcast is supported by our listeners at Patreon.com slash Books and Boba, where our listeners get access to our exclusive members-only Discord server, as well as our monthly um, bonus Boba chat episodes. So if any of that sounds interesting, head on over and join our Patreon and help us um, better cover um, books by Asian and Asian-American authors. But yeah, Rira, welcome to the end of September.
0: Yay, it's going to be the start of spooky month, my favorite (laughs) month.
1: (laughs) We're very excited. And man... This book, it turned out to be a lot more than I thought it would be. So I'm excited to kick off our discussion with you. I'm expecting a pretty good conversation, so we should just get started. As always, our book club discussions will cover the entire book, including any twists and reveals. Um, And this book is um, kind of a murder mystery, um, especially in the latter half. So if you do care about being spoiled about that stuff, Feel free to hit pause, um, go read the book, and then come back and listen to our discussion. Um, But without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Rira, can you start us off, as always, with the book description?
0: Okay. The residents of Haven, Wisconsin, have dined on the fine chow restaurant's delicious Americanized Chinese food for 35 years, happy to ignore any unsavory whispers about the family owners. But when brash, charismatic, and tyrannical patriarch Leo Chow is found dead, Presumed murdered, his sons discover that they've drawn the exacting gaze of the entire town. The ensuing trial brings the light potential motives for all three brothers. Dago, the restaurant's reckless head chef, Ming, financially successful but personally tortured, and the youngest, gentle but lost college student, James.
1: I guess right off the bat, I wanted to get your your hot take on how this book was for you because I think for me I was surprised at like because based on that description it was like oh this is gonna be like a murder mystery exploring generational trauma but then we what we actually got was like honestly like a classic Asian American children American story right about immigrant parents and the number they do on their children
0: yeah I mean it's funny how you know you probably thought that this was gonna be a cozy kind of <laughs> like like a cross between family drama and um and murder but um, I heard that this book was a loosely inspired homage to Brothers Karamazov by uh, Fyodor Dostoyevsky. And that is like an 800 page book. And it is like considered one of the most uh, like influential classics in world <laughs> literature. So I was like, OK, we're probably going to go for something that's like very dense because uh the Brothers Karamazov is very like philosophical. It goes into like religion and um you know it's it it is also like a courtroom uh it's courtroom story. <laughs> so I, I was expecting um so like I had I had more reasonable expectations, <laughs> should I say, but I have never read the brothers Karamazov. So I honestly say her pages, like, it, yeah. <laughs> it's like honestly, like I can't bring it, I can't bring up any parallels because like I honestly have never read this book. I don't know much about it, but from the reviews that I've read, people are saying that uh Lan Samantha Chang did a really good job uh kind of like interweaving the the original plot and characters, but like giving it a very fresh Asian American uh feel to it. So but I'm gonna just trust those reviewers because <laughs> I, I have never read this book. I'm, you you know, I'm not afraid to say it. I'm not an intellectual. I didn't take any literature classes in college.
1: (laughs) Well, at least you were aware of it. Me as like a non-literary person at all. I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense.
0: I mean, you picked
1: it. (laughs) I did, but I, you know, I picked it based on like um, my own personal interests in A, Asian American stories, B, restaurant family stories, and C, like Obama read it. So, you know.
0: That's right. Obama did read it. It was on his uh, reading list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Um, But, fun, um, but important thing to know about Lance Samantha Chang, the author, uh, she is the first Asian American and first women director of the Iowa Writers Workshop, which is probably the most prolific writers program out there. Like, I feel like that program has produced more award winning authors than any other mfa program out there so quite impressive um this is her third i think it's length- her oh, no.
1: fourth novel fifth book
0: yeah um she she's written a lot of like short stories but it, like marvin said i think this is like her fourth or fifth uh full-length novel so um yeah. and i also heard that like her previous books are quite downers. They're, <laughs> they're quite depressing. And Lance Samantha Chang, uh, she said in an interview how <laughs> someone came up to her and was like, you know, you're a really funny, like witty person. I'm surprised that like it doesn't come through in your writing because like your previous books are very like dense and uh, kind of depressing. Uh, so for this book, she inserted a lot of like humor into it. And I was like, yeah okay.
1: I mean, there was a lot of humor, but it was still kind of a depressing read in my opinion like it's not a very like it's not exactly like a feel good story right obviously like asian american family drama there's a lot of like i think the key word is trauma, trauma to go around right yeah a
0: lot of a <laughs> lot of trauma um but like I say humor as in you know it's dark humor it's yeah. kind of like you you laugh because. If you're if you're not laughing, you're crying.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, reading this book reminded me of the HBO series Succession. It's like it's it's essentially the story of succession of like a dirtbag father not really wanting to pass on his empire to his children, who are all kind of fail sons in some way. Um, except like, you know, about a crappy Chinese restaurant in the middle of nowhere in the Midwest. Um which goes to show you don't have to be a rich white corporate magnet to be like a tyrant to your family.
0: Oh, no, no. There's quite a number of tyrants in under the patriarchy all across <laughs> all across races and classes.
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess. To start off, I like the way that this book was separated, right? There's two like main parts um, and they're labeled. They see themselves and the others see them. And. At first, I was wondering, is this about how the family sees themselves and the community sees them? But like after reading the whole book, you know, it's really like the first half of the book, the part where they see themselves, takes place entirely in this Chinese enclave in um, Haven, Wisconsin, which is like a fictional Midwest city, and all about their internal conflicts with each other and like the drama. And then in, in the second part, where after you know the crime happens, after the murder happens the world gets opened up to like the white gaze. And then you get to see like the other see them represents like how this community is represented to the rest of the world. And I did not expect like rep sweats to be such a theme <laughs> in this book, right? Like how one person acts is how everyone will see them from now on. Um And it that part was like, honestly a little not triggering, but definitely a little like affecting, right? Like the, that tension that we're all really, really familiar with.
0: Yeah, I really like the fact that the book was split into two parts. Like you said, uh, part one is they see themselves, and part two is the world sees them. Mm. Um, personally, I I liked part two more, <laughs> uh, but that's just because like I love uh, the format that uh, Lan went with, with like the blog posts and uh, yeah. How did you like time skipping? <laughs> you too, are so. a,
1: you are a former journalist, so what did you think about the whole like this is the format you have to like blog in and okay, then like well, the reveal. I've at the never end never <laughs>
0: really followed format so also i didn't go to journalism school so a lot of those rules just kind of like uh like went over my head but in part one when lynn the uh the student who is now taking um uh, journalism classes because she switched her majors from uh data science. data yeah. data science uh <laughs> her parents are like Like, I can't believe she switched majors. And then uh, with her, she's like, I cannot believe I switched majors. Like, journalism is a (laughs) lot harder than I thought. I'm not assertive enough. I don't know how to ask questions. Why did I change my major? (laughs) And I like totally understood um, that level of anxiety because, as someone who went to school for creative writing, I thought that it was going to just be mostly me in a room. (laughs) <laughs> writing by myself, maybe with other people. I don't have to talk to people, but um, as I accidentally stumbled into journalism, I had to develop those skills, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, like, it's <laughs> quite terrifying." And being a journalist is 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 very difficult, depending on the subject that you're you're writing, and especially with like courtroom coverage, you're not allowed to bring anything with you into a courtroom and uh just like how she was writing this blog in in like the format that her teacher was telling her to write in like with bullet points nothing should be longer than three three lines for a paragraph and I was just like I didn't know that was real I just I tend to write sparsely so that kind of makes sense that I was I mean, fit for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how, like, Axial's um, articles are. But Axial's are meant to be, like, f- short-form, like, quick bites journalism. Um, I did love the added um, detail at the end in the epilogue where she ended up getting a C for her assignment because she did not follow the correct follow format. directions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's like, it doesn't matter, man.
0: Listen, you can be a journalist without having a journalism degree. Like, (laughs) the most, like, most journalists I've met didn't go to journalism school. (laughs) They, like, accidentally stumbled upon it because they happen to be really into whatever subject that they're really into and are articulate. And that's how they got hired. (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) and I guess that's kind of a smaller, like, I guess, microcosm of, like, the bit greater theme of the second part, at the very least, which is fitting like the world trying to make you fit into the box they see you in right like that's like a lot of the trial was about like the world seeing what it wants to see and like making you conform to their um perception as opposed to like being yourself um so yeah i I like i like that as a additional like thematic flavor um
0: yeah yeah and i like the fact that ming and james they find out find out about what was said in the trial in real time by reading Lynn's blog. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's just like, wow, this is just like uh, when a hot mess is covered on Twitter and you're just like uh, watching it be updated in real time.
1: Yeah, Um, but I guess this is a good time to talk about the main cast of the book yeah. which is the family chow and man what a what a hot mess of a family right um like do do you want to start with the brothers or with the the father
0: well i guess we can start with the brothers do you have a favorite brother
1: i mean they all kind of suck in their own way um i do like james because he's the nicest one although he's like almost fake nice sometimes you know like he
0: he really gives me nice guy vibes yeah
1: for sure um i you know i relate to dago um william the oldest brother just as an eldest brother myself i like can feel like his conflict i've never i've never wanted to murder my father but definitely like the pressure of like wanting to succeed having to move home having to deal with like The shame of, like, not living up to your, like, golden boy status. I think that's something a lot of older sons, especially, like, millennial ones can, like, can relate to, um...
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I was thinking about you when I was reading this book. I was like, I wonder <laughs> oh, what you. Marvin thinks as someone who is the eldest son in an Asian American <laughs> family and, you know, I don't know his younger brother all that well, so I don't know the di- <laughs> I don't know I don't know if the sibling dynamic is like similar between brothers or not, but
1: it's a little different, I think, especially um there's just only two of us, so there's no middle child. So there's no like middle child like Um, dynamics there um the good thing is my father is not like a tyrannical man um he definitely does have like he is strict but he's not like he's not a narcissist like um leo chow is like leo chow like i feel like if he actually had power would be a very scary man you know like he definitely gave like trumpy vibes
0: yeah he definitely gave godfather vibes too (laughs) you know Like not everything he does is above board. Yeah.
1: I mean that is I mean, I feel like that is we can discuss that too. It's just like as an immigrant, especially in a place where you are a minority, where you're already seen as like trash, like you do what you gotta do to survive. And a lot of times that means a lot of stuff under the table. There's a reason why a lot of our, you know, our collectively, not our specifically, you know, parents don't trust institutions they don't put their money in banks they don't pay (laughs) like there's so many restaurants in like the san gabriel valley who got in trouble because of unattainable payments to their employees and then getting hit with tax fraud because you're supposed to report everything you pay right like there's a reason why like when we hear stories like that we're like oh we're not surprised right (laughs)
0: like of course they did that what's really interesting is um From interviews that I've read with Lan Samantha Chang, uh, (laughs) some people had come up to her to complain about the Asian-American portrayal (laughs) in this book. I don't know if the actual uh, reviewers were Asian-American, but I'm guessing that there has to be some um, out there. But they were saying, like, oh, these are stereotypical um, portrayals. You're putting them in, like, a very, like, negative light. Like, I don't understand why you wrote the characters to be so unlikable and crass and vulgar and pretty much sucking in everything. And I was like, (laughs) well, like, it made me question the genre of immigrant fiction, you know, because I feel like for a long time in the beginning of like the 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 first wave of Asian American writers. it was a lot about like generational trauma, um being being like a second gen and dealing with expectations, but
1: but also like American was, dream, right you are you are able to succeed because we sacrificed for you. We were hard on you because we wanted you to achieve the American dream. a lot of very like optimistic, aspirational stories about like families achieving their dreams through generational sacrifice, right?
0: Yeah. and I feel like with a lot of those books, the parents are kind of put on a pedestal because they're like, oh, my God, my parents worked so hard and gave up everything for my life. And you know what? Like, true. But at the same time, your parents aren't saints. You know, they have their own baggage, their own trauma. And, you know, some of them are narcissists. I've Like, <laughs> my father is a narcissist. I've met other Asian parents who really treat their children as if they're just... Um, I don't know, extensions of themselves, like like pawns for their own uh ambitions.
1: Or like people you have power over, right? Because of established patriarchal, Confucian, like values. You're yeah. like your children are yours to control and to direct, right? And they are there to take care of you in your old age. And there's a lot of people who do think like that, right? And You know, a lot of times when our parents are when we have fight with our parents in like our adolescence, that's what they throw at us. It's like I took care of you. I sacrificed for you. Your job is to take care of me in the future.
0: Yeah. And then my response to that is I didn't ask to be born. And (laughs) (laughs) it is a privilege for you to be a parent. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Um, Yeah. But talking about parents, you know, like Leo Chow is you know, not really the typical Asian American immigrant father that we see in literature. He's very loud. He's very crass. Uh, He's, um, you know, he's a womanizer. He doesn't really treat his sons all that well. And he's very selfish, even though he, you know, he has like put in efforts for his sons to succeed. It's not really for the son's benefits, but more for his benefits, so that he has kind of like street cred, being like, "Oh, look at my son's yeah, like
1: humble brag, like, like cred, yeah, humble brag, right? like oh, James Although, goes to
0: a good college, trying to be like a doctor. Ming is really successful, and Dalgo, well, I guess he can cook." But, you know,
1: I feel like humble is giving him too much credit. It's just bragging credit. He just wants to brag. We say humble
0: bragging, but um, yeah, yeah, it's just like bragging. So it's so he's a really different type of uh, Chinese immigrant father that we've seen in literature. And same thing with uh, Dago or William. Um, He is not quite the the golden eldest child in Asian families, which I really liked because I feel like so many, I mean, I feel like it's so common to see the eldest child be like the golden child. They go like they're high achievers. They have to make sure their parents' sacrifices are, are like worth it. And it was just really nice to see the oldest child kind of be a loser. I mean,
1: (laughs) a loser in the eyes of his dad but like let's let's examine what his life was like right he decided to go into music because um he didn't want to follow his father's path for him and it didn't work out and so like many like millennial children of our generation they move back home and like take over the family business and but then the main difference here is that leo is a piece of crap and won't let him live it down and uses this to exert his power over him because Leo is a narcissist who like revels in his ability to ruffle people's feathers, right? Like one of the main like characteristics of Leo Chow is that he will just say whatever he wants to get you to be mad. Like he wants to get a rise out of you, right? He'll like, he'll eat meat at the vegetarian <laughs> spiritual house. He'll like say the worst thing to you in public in front of other people. Like I feel like, there's a certain type of like conservative Asian parent that like that he just embodies, right? Like he'll just say like the most like terrible things, whether or not he believes it or not, but because he knows he will get you angry.
0: Yeah. And it makes me wonder if this book would have done well like 10 years ago, you know? <laughs> like I kind of consider this book to be like a post-immigrant story. Because, because, like, I feel like if it came out, like, 10, 15 years ago, people would be like, why? Like, like this is not how Asians are like, because there was, like, so few representations, right? Yeah. So this representation really breaks the mold of... Uh, you know, model minority, although we do have Ming and he has a whole monologue about that, I mean, which we'll talk about later.
1: <laughs> I mean, rep sweats, right? The the term that Jenny Yang and Phil, you um, coined at like a fresh out of the boat screening before, like meaning that it's like people are so worried that because we, there's so few representation, this will make the whole community. Like if it's bad, like it'll make the community look bad. Um, that is like a, not only a theme of this book, but also like a meta theme, right? Because the book itself is about a a bad immigrant, like a guy who like does cheat, does swindle, does like steamroll and like makes everyone's lives worse. Um, That's who's also like a Chinese immigrant bootstrapper who like made a life in this country. I feel like, yeah, I feel like if this book did come out 10 years ago, it wouldn't have gotten as much praise because people would be like, why are you like, why are you airing your dirty laundry? Why are you portraying us as bad? And so, like, an ongoing refrain in the book is also, like, the way the community sees the Chow's, right? Like, the the story about um, when Leo made a big deal, a bit, made a big fuss at a post office because he felt like he was being, like, looked down on. And then people, like, looking in saying, oh, no, the Chow's are making the Chinese community look bad. And then later on, it, during the second half of the book, during the trial, the fact that, like— there's that one part where uh, I think James is scrolling through the comments to one of Lin's articles. And then you see like the, the comments, like everyone's focusing on the dog part, which we can talk about that as well. And then people are saying, oh, this is why like th- these people make Asian people look bad. I think it was really clever that Lance the Chang like wrote a book that also embodied like the theme that's within it. Right. Like the, the, the fact that this book exists is also like part of the theme
0: yeah I can definitely under like the whole you're making Asians look bad, and mm-hmm. I don't know, like this fear that just one bad person can undo years and years of progress, and it's it's just like it's fake. this is <laughs> that's <laughs> what the model minority myth is built upon, you know, like everybody has to be uh a good little immigrant, check all of the boxes in order for us to retain our privileges in this country. Otherwise it'll be taken away at any at any moment. <laughs> and that's something that like we've all been through. Um yeah and like I mean, it probably is like much stronger because this takes place in Wisconsin where yeah there's a minority is like where Asians are a minority.
1: And that's something that I realized while reading this is just like I like I can understand that conflict but i honestly can't relate to it like ming is such an interesting character because like i know people and i've read people who like thinks the way that he thinks and says things that he says um but like as someone who grew up in like the san Gabriel valley um like i can't imagine what it's like to grow up like actively not wanting to be chinese or asian right like that that thought process does not occur to me, you know, like, and as I meet more people from those situations, I realize just what a privilege like what a what a relief like mental health relief it was to like grow up grow up where I grew up because like the idea that like you're actively just like suppressing like a big part of your identity right is it seems it it just feels very very traumatic,
0: yeah, and. It's interesting because Wisconsin, the Midwest, they have like the largest population of Asian adoptees, which I always find really interesting. And uh, just how like like just thinking about how like these adoptees are in communities where, you know, most of the people there are white. Your parents are most likely white. Like, what does that do to how you see yourself? And do you even consider yourself uh, to be part of the Asian community when you are so alone in in that aspect and um and it's just interesting how it's not just a struggle that adoptees go through it's a struggle that a lot of Asians go through in these white communities in Wisconsin because yeah yeah,
1: yeah um I like, on paper, I should, like, mean, because he's the most independent thinking of the brothers. But I just could not, like, I could not relate to his thought process at all. And, like, I think part of me is, like, I think people who think like him, like, that kind of thinking, like, the self-hatred, I think that's a trigger for me. Because I'm like, oh, I can't, like, I don't, I, I felt actively bad reading his rants about, like, why he doesn't like to be home. And, like, when he was railing against Catherine, right, the... The ex fiance of Dago, who is a Chinese adoptee. Like, it's like, it's just so like, I should like you because you're the smartest one. You're the one that got away. You're the one that thinks for yourself. But at the same time, you don't, do you really think for yourself? Like, do you, I don't agree with like half, the, like more than half the things he says.
0: Ming was probably my favorite brother out of the bunch. Um, because listen, I don't like anyone in this book. I, I honestly think everybody is kind of, pathetic to a degree and that's kind of why I like this book but (laughs) with Ming I don't know there was just like something about him that I really liked maybe it's his candor that I was like yeah like you're an asshole (laughs) and you (laughs) you know you're an asshole you know that you hate yourself and that that is something that you know really affects how you see other people and you know he's very self-aware and I don't know, it just made him to be a more layered character, in my opinion, which is probably why I liked him most out of out of the three. And also, I guess I related to him in the way of like, oh, I don't want to be home. I want to be away from <laughs> my family. And yeah, um, and it's just like he's very aware of like the number that his dad did on his family being like, oh, my God, like he treated my mom so terribly what kind of father uh cheats on his wife and takes his sons on 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 errands where he is like the point of it is him seeing his mistresses and um him realizing how him realizing that his dad being like oh i fulfilled the american dream like i'm like i'm a big shot but Ming's like you know your american dream was carried by your son's who had unpaid labor. You sit on a throne also, of
1: lies. That's what he
0: said. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. And I don't know, just like the fact that he, he is aware of that. And, um, that's and just true. like his, his like independence. Like I, I feel like I gave him, I begrudgingly gave him my respect being like, okay, you yeah. made it out. <laughs>
1: He, but then did he, you know, he made it out. He's smart. He can see the big picture, but his big sin is he doesn't do anything about it. Right. He knows he has this problem. He doesn't advance. Right. He, he knows like he can foresee that like his dad is about to get murdered by someone, but he doesn't do anything. He lets it happen. Right. Like he, and like he escapes, but he doesn't really, like he comes back. I don't Um, know if he
0: actually knows that his dad is going to foresee that his dad's going to get murdered. Like. I feel like he knows that his dad will have his comeuppance, but I don't think he actually he knows, thinks he'll be murdered. He
1: feels <laughs> and knows that the tensions are at a breaking point and something's going to happen that night. That's why he was in such a hurry to get That's how I read it, at least. Like, he, he knew something was going down. He wanted to remove himself from the situation. Um, and then later on, he realizes that he made a mistake. Right, by leaving. Um, and that's kind of like, I like that the resolution of this book is not a clean resolution. It's everyone's acceptance that they're all complicit in this like messed up version of the immigrant dream. Right. Like they're all like, it's it originated from Leo and his greed and his like malice, really. But they're all complicit in like the the, the results, in the consequences, because they're all part of Leo's American dream.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think another reason why I really liked Ming was uh, his relationship with Dago, like that, <laughs> like that um, jealousy. You know, it's like, oh, you're the eldest son. You always like had. I mean, you had a lot of pressure, but you also had like our parents' full attention, and it felt like me as a second son, like they didn't really care all that much, even though I am more capable, more intelligent, and um.
1: It's a very second son, like... It's a very conflict. second
0: son, second sibling uh, type of mindset.
1: Yeah, I was also, like, at first kind of confused about the Dago um, nickname or naming convention. Because of Samantha Chen doesn't really explain up front what all the nicknames mean. And so me, as a Chinese speaker, was thinking, is this just a mistranslation? Or, like, is this, like, a term of endearment that derived from... Because Dago means big dog, but Da Gu means big brother. So I thought maybe it's like a, a mispronunciation that they just stuck. But then later on they reveal that all three of the chow sons, their nicknames, their tears, they're like their, their pet names are literally big dog, second dog, third dog. And I thought that was pretty messed up. Because like
0: it's like, wow, they love their sons so much <laughs> by naming them in that manner.
1: Because that's not a common thing. You know, <laughs> like Chinese families do give like you know, naming nicknames. conventions, to their name to their children. And sometimes they're a lot of times they're like cute or they're, you know, they're clever. But go like dog means the same thing in Chinese as it does in like English. It's not exactly a term of endearment. It's a term of ownership. So like just knowing that you kind of realize what kind of person Leo Chow is.
0: Yeah. And speaking of dogs, we have Alf, Alf. the family dog.
1: <laughs> it's a Frenchie, right? If I remember correctly. Yeah. So Frenchies cute. are cute what is so did you think they ate alf like i was like oh, there's absolutely no way not absolutely yeah
0: not. so like what what happens in what what happens is that they're at this christmas party and obviously doggo wants to show off that he is you know he's the a top big chef. man yeah top chef he can spend lavishly so he has all of these dishes and he happened to get a mutton from the Scar family. Who are like they're
1: like restaurant rivals, right? They they run. Restaurant
0: rivals that also like their family like racist bullies from like grade school. So not great people, but they give him a mutton and um he makes like a really delicious stew out of it. Red stew, yeah. Red stew out of it. And as um was it was it Brenda who brought her?
1: Yeah, Brenda who is um Dago's new flame. Um she brought her high school ex, who was, like, the former quarterback, who, like, yeah, that guy sucked. Like, he was just, like, I've known people like that, like, white guys who are dating, like, a friend, and we bring them to, like, Dim Sum, and he spends like, the entire time just, like, asking what everything is and being super picky. I'm like, then why do you come if you're going to be like this?
0: But also, like, it's Wisconsin, so I'm like, I will, <laughs> I will give them a free pass. But anyway, no, he's no eating free the— passes. <laughs> I, I <refuse>. mean— <sighs> I'm a little bit more generous with my passes, (laughs) but he's eating the mutton. That's probably like the thing that he eats the most. And uh, and Feng, who is a
1: family friend. Yeah.
0: As a family friend of the chow, he makes a joke saying like, oh, it's dog meat. Yeah. And then it just spirals out of control from there.
1: (laughs) And then that becomes a rumor online that like they cook the family dog and like, it's so, like, it was depressing and sad, but also kind of, like, like you said, like, funny in a black comedy kind of way that the, yeah. they might like, have, of course, they might have eaten their dog becomes the main narrative of Doggo's trial. And, like, yeah, of course, like, all these white people care because now it involves a puppy.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alf becomes a symbol for anti-Asian sentiments and... <laughs> I like, you know, I, I find it like hilarious. I mean, in a black comedy kind of way, it's like, oh, wow. They care about a dog more than an actual human being. Like white people care more about their pets than people of color. Yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, if there, if the alpha component wasn't there, no one would care about this case about like a patriarch of a restaurant family who is found dead in his freezer. Right.
0: Yeah. And, you know, like. For a brief second, I did believe it that that <laughs> Alf was eaten because Alf goes missing. And yeah. it was the Scar family who gave the mutton. But in my head, I'm like, oh, but they're white though. Would they would they kill a dog? And I was like, I feel like they won't. Well so. also,
1: like Dago is like a top chef. Like he can recognize mutton from like dog meat for sure. Like he can recognize yeah. like this is not like if it wasn't actual mutton i think he would have recognized it like he's in my head he's didn't compute and just like these people are just being stupid and-, and
0: you know like if you if you are an asian growing up in a community where there are a lot of racists that, i feel like that's their go-to joke being like oh your people eat dogs <laughs> and i'm just like wow well, like so original, like thanks, yeah. it's not like Americans don't eat gross things. shall we either. go into
1: the history of socioeconomic oppression of Asia and like,
0: have you starved before? I mean, like there there are people in America who eat squirrels, and that's a <laughs> rodent. I just thought the whole thing was funny with Alf, and to be honest, I thought maybe it was a it was a plant by the prosecutors,
1: yeah, I mean, definitely they.
0: Play it up to like drum yeah. up support. So I was like, I was like, ah, oh, like, I, I feel like if I was a prosecutor, I would use that. But, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: That's just me being cynical.
1: <laughs> um, that doesn't remind me of like, there's this, um, it's an early chapter where they, they're describing the early days of the restaurant. Lan describes Winnie and Leo's notes to each other about white people's food preferences. Oh, yeah and like this is the history of Americanized Chinese food, which is these people apparently love chop suey. What the hell is that? I don't know, just throw whatever in it,
0: and I was like, oh, they love chicken wings, oh, they love anything that is like deep fried or <laughs> or like uh drenched in sauce and oil,
1: yeah, um, it is a book about Chinese restaurant families, so there was plenty of food, and I did like it was kind of interesting the way that um. Lan Samantha Chang um, describe like the like the proper nouns of the foods, right? Because there's a vegetable that they uh, mentioned a few times. They called it hollow heart greens, which, uh, as a Chinese speaker, I know exactly what that is. As xing cai, which literally translates to hollow heart greens. But I don't think that's the actual like English term for it.
0: Probably not. Yeah,
1: in English, it's water spinach.
0: Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense because I had no idea what it was <laughs> yeah. until you just translated it to water spinach. I was like, "Oh, I know what that is." Okay, that's like that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> As someone who is not a Chinese speaker, I'm like, "Yeah," I was like, "I don't know. It's some kind of vegetable." Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I did like the the portrayal of the community in this book, um, and the fact that this restaurant is kind of the heart of the community, which is how like the community members were able to overlook leo's like shittiness because he also provides them like a haven within haven right for for them to be like a community
0: i mean this reminds me of i mean this is kind of like a sidebar but uh i saw a tiktok of someone who was like in the midwest i think they were like from wisconsin (laughs) and they said to all the Asians who just move here in the middle of nowhere, setting up their Chinese buffets and their takeout restaurants. God bless you. You're bringing taste to <laughs> our poor white communities. <laughs> and yeah. I, like, it just like made me laugh so hard because <laughs> it's just like, wow, you guys must be so desperate for like anything other than what you are eating right now.
1: Um, I think I would have patronized um, the scares shitty diner like everyone needs a shitty diner in their town that can serve you like decent eggs and like apparently a really tasty fish sandwich
0: one of my favorite scenes was the diner scene uh with <laughs> ming and james like ming goes on that really long monologue
1: consciousness like stream of rant
0: rant about like how racist the town is how like you know the only way he could leave was through um you know through like money, pretty much. He was like, I need to get good grades to go to a good school to get money because money is power. Money is love. And um this is the only thing that people will, this is the only way that people w- will respect us because the American dream is only accessible to the people who are white by default. So I thought that was like, it, it was a stream of consciousness. And um. In the beginning, when I was reading that scene, I was like, oh, my God, he's like talking so much. It's a it's pretty <laughs> much a monologue who monologue slash rants like this in real person. And then I remembered that Ming hadn't slept in a really long time and he had yeah. just been like drinking cup after cup of coffee. He was just like caffeine Caffeine to like the brim. And I was like, Oh, okay. It makes sense. He's kind of like a crazy person right now.
1: (laughs) Right. And let me on that note, it kind of makes sense later on when he is like he's never you never know what he's diagnosed with, but it sounds like he like at this point he was like kind of being manic, right? Like he definitely has some sort of like mental health issue. And I think that's like a running theme, like at the beginning of the book they all go to this luncheon at the spiritual house which is like this I still can't tell if it's like a real buddhist institution or like just one like one of those immigrant like kind of there's a spiritual leader here and it's like they're practicing their own version of buddhism um which is something that totally happens like I followed my parents to one of those meetings before they didn't stay but it was definitely like those vibes um and then the sister there the 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 head nun um guling zuzu she like she tells him, like, you, you're you sick. You have a sickness. You need to take care of that. And throughout the entire story, I thought, is it, like, is it cancer? Like, I was thinking, like, a physical sickness. Like, the fact that it was a mental issue didn't even occur to me till, like, till they, like, spelled it out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I say crazy in, you know, <laughs> like, not as a derogatory term. But yeah. he, he was ranting and he was raving. Yeah. And uh just... I don't know, like that. That like that scene was one of the scenes that like jumped out the most to me in this book, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is what this book is about. <laughs> this is what um, this is what Lan Samantha Chang is trying to say about Asian American represent- representation in this country." And um, yeah, and I I really liked Ming's uh, dynamic with Catherine. Because Catherine, like we mentioned, is a Chinese adoptee. And while reading this, readers will be like, why is she with Dago? <laughs> like he like he has no money. Like he like his dad is probably not going to give him his promised share of the restaurant. She's a successful lawyer in Chicago. Why has she clung to this relationship so hard for 12 years? And it's just Like, I think it's really interesting how, um, you know, like, Ming kind of gets it. Ming's just like, you know, you grew up in a white community and you've kind of, like, latched onto us because we're, like, the closest thing to, like, your Chinese heritage. And you've kind of, like, fetishized us. And I find that, it's like, I find that to be really pathetic. You should just leave us and, and move on because you are, you have reached success. And... Um, I don't know. Like Catherine was a very interesting character to me. I felt really bad for her.
1: Yeah, but I also mean, she could have found time, anyone like, to like, kind of project her need for community with, and it just happened to be like the worst possible family
0: for her. Yeah, I mean, for I, I was just like, out of the three bu- brothers, Dago, him. Like I feel like you I mean, should have like gone I, with Ming, but Ming has his own problems. I but, mean, it feels
1: like she stayed for Winnie.
0: Yeah, and, she stayed for, for Winnie. Yeah,
1: not like Dago was just like the the conduit for it. But girl, uh,
0: you do not need to be engaged to Dago to have a relationship with Winnie.
1: And here is like at the end, like they're saying, oh yeah, Bren- like Brenda was saying how like. Catherine should just hook up with me because they sue each other more i'm like no don't hook up with anyone in this family anymore go find some like nice like other like go find like you a work
0: in chicago go find man. like a there chicago transplant some Asian, yeah there.
1: go find a transplant that came here from like la or san francisco someone or somewhere, or somewhere or where New they York. can give you or, yeah. yeah or someone who can like provide a more healthy mindset to model after right um i i i'm Firmly in the camp that um, I'm sure there's a lot of mean Catherine shippers out there. Um, I am not one of them.
0: I mean, it's it's so funny to me that everyone would say, oh, doggo, the best thing that's ever happened to you is Catherine. (laughs) And whenever anyone says that, says that to someone like, oh, the best thing that's ever happened to you is, you know, you finding your partner. That's a red flag. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Catherine definitely like I liked her. But she also gave like just like the vibes were a little off with just how much she was clinging to that family. Like and everyone was like, there's no reason for this. Like it's
0: like, I mean Ming is right, but (laughs) you know, he didn't have to put it in such brutal way, you know. Obviously, Mm -hmm. Catherine, I feel like she is like a good person because, you know, she does help out with Dago's trial and she does care for Winnie quite a lot. So I feel like she is a kind person, but uh there is like a an offness to it. You know, there's like <laughs> a performance aspect to it. And yeah. um, I mean like comparing her to Brenda too, I think that's really interesting because Dago left Catherine for a white woman who wants to marry Rich. And <laughs> Dago is like, you know, he's using his life savings and using the money that Catherine lent him. To, like, get this penthouse. I'm like, what? Like, what are these decisions you are making, sir?
1: Yeah. It's like, temperamentally, they suit each other. But in terms of, like, the things that he does to, like, pursue her. And the thing is, he probably didn't even need to do all those things. Right? Like, she ends up, like, falling for him because of, like, how much he is devoted to her. Right? There's, I'm sure there's, like, an allegory there for, like, how, like, Certain Asian men bend over backwards to like
0: to get like an a uh, to get like a white woman because yeah. a white woman is considered to be like the success. unreachable yeah <laughs> success for for Asian men yeah because in this country like there's like a hierarchy when it comes to uh, desirability because <laughs> like getting with a white woman means you're closer to you know the hierarchy of of whiteness yeah which means success so
1: but at the same time like he's never he's never portrayed as like vocalizing those specific like that's something that like Ming might say, and there's something like Ming I think does say like like maybe indirectly than in the fact that he's never dated an Asian woman, right because he doesn't want to date someone that's like his mother, and t- to him, all Asian women are like are his mother
0: yeah, and also like in in part two, uh the world sees them that's what people see they're like, oh, Dago left his Asian." Uh, fiance for this white lady, like surely she must have like seduced him, and surely he must like be dating her just because she's white. And I and love, surely how, like, she's the,
1: dating him just because he has, she thinks he has money.
0: Yeah, yeah. So like, I really like the optics that yeah. uh, Lance Samantha Chang like put into like the courtroom scenes and just how like the defense and prosecutor would just try to paint the immigrant experience in a way where it would benefit their client. And I don't know. It just like, it, it just reminded me of how like we are seen yeah. in by, by the public, you know?
1: Yeah. When in reality, like their relationship may maybe closer to James and Alice's, which is they were, they were acquaintances when they were young. They're just townies that like finding comfort in each other. Right. I, I, I don't like, personally I didn't get the you know the aspirational nature of him wanting Brenda as opposed to like he just felt like they got along better than what he did what what he had with Catherine right yeah yeah what did you think of James and Alice by the way
0: (laughs) I was gonna ask you that what did you think (laughs) about James and Alice I think you can guess what my opinion is (laughs) I mean it would be
1: sweet if like we didn't get all the icky parts of james's own like horn dog nature right oh
0: god how old is he like 19
1: yeah like uh, he just finished his first year in college
0: Ugh, just uh, but then i think that is an accurate portrayal of uh <laughs> just like young asian men who you know haven't really had the opportunity to date and comes from a very like Conservative family where you can't really go out and do things on your own.
1: I guess, but that first scene when he like goes in the bathroom to to take himself—oh, that was so gross. He was was in the church. That's like a temple. He's in when that's happening. I
0: was like, really? Do you really have to wank one out right now? Right now, I feel (laughs) like you you would be able to put your dick down, like without like I feel like there wouldn't have been a problem. Yeah, I mean Um, that's how you know he is Leo Chow's son. Oh god, so gross. Um, yeah, I found a lot of the the sex stuff to be quite crass, and I'm pretty sure that's what Lance Samantha Chang was going for. <laughs> uh, one part that I really like that I felt really grossed out by was a flashback of James and Alice are like what like in middle school and oh when she's like, yeah when like he sees like her nipple. And he's like, I want to see it again. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, first off, why is Alice like, like showing that to him? And I, I just like I just felt really ick about the whole thing. And I, it made me wonder, like, did this did this have to be in here? I feel like maybe just one awkward Sex scene with James was enough. I think
1: it was. I mean, it's to illustrate that Alice was James's like sexual awakening, right? So that's why he's like hasn't been able to forget her. I thought like I'm, it was ick. It was kind of like the whole relationship was a little like the vibes were definitely off, but not unbelievable, right? Like he is still the age I mean the fact that, that it wasn't in, yeah.
0: unbelievable made it gross, you know? Because if it, <laughs> Because it's like, oh, I can I can name a couple of Asian guys off the top of my head who probably were like James when they were younger. So
1: I want to say like most boys, probably. I don't most know boys. If, if they had the chance to see a boob, they would want to see a boob.
0: Oh, so gross. So <laughs> gross. And like the fact that like, you know, they were like kissing and he just like came in his underwear. I'm like,
1: that part was like, oh, I was like, bro. I
0: was like, what? Like, is this necessary? We already got a scene of him jacking off in the bathroom after like one interaction with her. like i I feel like we did not need another one another one of these. I scenes. thought that was pretty funny. I was laughing.
1: <laughs> you dummy. Um, something that I um want to point out is I'm sure this was intentional naming the family, the Chow family, because the entire time I was reading the book, I would often misread the Chow's with chaos.
0: Chaos. Yeah, same here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I thought that was really clever. But I wanted to bring up another female character, Olen, who yeah. is one of the restaurant workers at the Chow family's restaurant and has been there for quite a while. Um, does not speak English. And, um, you know, like she is undocumented and that is being taken advantage of by the chow family
1: (laughs) this reveal i was shocked when they like pulled the mask off of olong um oh really yeah like i like because for most of the book for most of the first half of the book the way they see themselves like she is like kind of a background character right she's like making small talk kind of like speaking chinese like kind of she's just in any like Restaurant story. There's always like the crew, right? The people that work in a the restaurant. They're in the background. that are just there. They're like they're workers. They're they're lifers, and they're there for flavor. But they're not like part of like. And I should have known because this is a, a half murder mystery. And it's always the person. You I least was supposed to say, right? Marvin.
0: Like, how did you not see? Like, because I knew that it was gonna turn into murder. I'm like, okay. I'm guessing it's gonna be Olen who is the most un. an unassuming character. We don't really know much about her. And the whole fact that she doesn't speak English, I feel like that is like a facade because that's, that's a card that a lot of immigrants use in this country.
1: Obviously the six years that we've read mystery together, I have not learned a thing because I was like, I think I was so involved in like the Asian American immigrant storyline that I kind of forgot about like, Oh, there's going to be a murder mystery later on because I also didn't expect the murder to not take place until halfway through the book.
0: Yeah, that's true. I did not expect it to happen so late in the book, especially when you read the book jacket description. You're like, oh, he gets murdered.
1: And yeah, the
0: entire time you're like, when is he getting mur- <laughs> murdered? <laughs> and of course, like the seeds are are like sprinkled throughout because Dago, like on his illegal uh, radio show, he talks about his daydream of uh, killing his father, like his murder plan,
1: be- like his very yeah, viable his mur- murder plan,
0: <laughs> his very viable murder plan of locking his. Father in the freezer, which is like out of you know, which is not the like
1: co- code, yeah, not up
0: to code. And the only way to get out of the freezer is to use the key, which is like inside. Yeah, it's like, as long as if I just take the key and you know, he's not watching and just close the door, he could just freeze to death. And, um, you know, a lot because of that, a lot of people think that Dago is the killer, yeah, but at the same time, I'm like, he broadcasted it to so many people, <laughs> and also it's very easy to just. <laughs> Like I feel like that is a very obvious way to kill Leo. It yeah. doesn't really require a, a lot of planning.
1: And Lan, she plants a lot of seeds, right? All, like, maybe not James, but Ming and Doggle have understandable reasons for wanting their father dead. Winnie definitely has reasons, like the mother. Um, and then, and then when, I was on this path because they mentioned that Winnie was going to leave all of her possessions to the spiritual house. And so I was like, what if it's the nun? What if like the the nun is the one that killed Leo? Because he they know that like the money's gonna go to them. Like his sports is gonna go to them if he dies. Like I was yeah. on that
0: path. Also there's like the not really a red herring, but you you have like the subplot of the man that James saves in the beginning of this novel, he does CPR, not saves. He helps. Right? <laughs> he doesn't he helps. save. <laughs> yeah. So, like in the first chapter of this book, uh, James is at the subway station, and um, an old, an elder Chinese man tries to communicate with him, shows an address, um, but then he suddenly falls down the stairs, and James attempts to do CPR, is unable to uh, resuscitate him. And he gets taken away by uh, EMT, and uh, he realizes that the old man's bag was not uh, carried out with the paramedics. So in his mind, he's like, "Okay, I'll just you know mail it to him since I like saw the address that he was trying to show it to me." And little does he know that the man's entire life savings is in that blue carpet bag, and uh, yeah. he puts it in his. He puts it in his dad's uh, truck in in the trunk of his car. I think it was a Taurus, so it's a sedan. Oh, okay, okay, a, sedan. <laughs> a tiny sedan. I thought it was. I thought it was a truck, but um, maybe it's because I'm like it's in the Midwest, and because <laughs> there's so much snow, like it makes sense to have a truck. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, like his family finds out that that this man had, like, a shit ton of money in this carpet bag. Well, and they assume, because the family's looking
1: for it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So that's, like, a red herring in the book, because it's like, oh, what if it's, you know, a, a Motive, relative? Right? Yeah. 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 yeah I, but to me, I was like, that's too convoluted. It has to be something than <laughs> that. You can tell that I have watched a lot of murder movies and documentaries and read a lot of murder mysteries, because the fact that I, like, guessed it within, like, the first couple chapters, I don't know, but Olen yeah, no. is a very interesting character.
1: She is. Uh, she's eventually revealed to be to be the killer, um, and also the brother's half sister from um, a previous relationship where Leo screwed her mother, took their her life savings to by passage, to come to America to start his new life. Uh, Which is to say, Leo has been a piece of shit his entire life and leaves a trail of destruction wherever he goes. Uh, And then so you find out that she's here specifically so that she can take revenge on Leo.
0: I thought it was really funny how he knew that she was his daughter. (laughs) Because Gualan the the abbess, you know, Mm -hmm. she like, reintroduces both of them. It's like, oh, if she works for you, then she's able to, you know, make money and stay in this country. And you also can, you can get to know your daughter and, you know, heal this animosity between you two. But obviously Leo is a piece is a piece of shit. And uh, Olen is just like, no, nah, I, th- I think I'm going to hold on to my revenge plans. And I'm like, respect, yeah, respect. I
1: feel like to was also um kind of helping a in her plot i think that's why i remember um during the um during the luncheon she was telling james to stay away from the restaurant for a few days you're involved in a story that does not involve you and if you get involved you're gonna get screwed because i think she knows that olan is about to execute her plot
0: yeah i mean i felt a little bit bad for james even though i really didn't like him because of his nice guy vibes. Uh Because he's really clueless when it comes to his family. He really wants to, you know, he, he really is a people pleaser. He wants, like, the family to get along. He looks up to Dago, But he's
1: still so, so inept at it, right? Because, like, to be honest, like, it, because if you look at it, a lot of the things that happen wouldn't have happened if he just, like, did what he was supposed to do or didn't do what he did, right? Like, if he didn't take the old man's luggage, then that wouldn't have been crucial evidence in his brother's case if he had just looked for the bag when he was told to by his brother it wouldn't have been lost right like there's a lot of things but instead he was like kind of following his dick and that resulted in like consequence later on
0: and it also like reminded me how like the whole the whole saying of oh with each kid they have a different set of parents which is so (laughs) true because your parents have like each of your siblings at a different point in life. They can be like young adults and they can be weathered, (laughs) a weathered couple who don't really like each other anymore, but they decide to have a kid because that's just something that happens. And I feel like with James, he really was like this. I mean, there's no proof of it, but he kind of seemed like a last last ditch effort to save this family.
1: (laughs) Well, what did you think of his decision to let Olan walk?
0: I mean, I was saying, hooray, because I was (laughs) cheering for Olen. Maybe that makes me a terrible person. But um, I really like the line where he says, uh, nothing is worse than being the daughter of Leo Chao. And I'm like, (laughs) you're right. You're right. As shitty as you three had it, as his sons, being being like an um, illegitimate daughter, I guess I don't know. Like it was before he married Winnie. So I guess like
1: the way she says it, she was legitimate, but then he left and like, yeah,
0: it's like, oh yeah, because she's like, I don't think he would have left behind a son. So it's just (laughs) like, yeah, this daughter who like got, you know, who was robbed of everything. Like I, I feel like she deserves to walk off. And the fact that he knew that I was like, Okay, good on you, James.
1: I thought it was also interesting that, like, the moment that he realized that she was his older sister, it was game over for him. Because he was raised to be the obedient youngest son. And so there was no way he would be able to go against an older sibling. Like, at all. right? That's to his character. And so the moment he learned that, like, she was already free. And she knew it, too. She knew, like, there's no way her, like, little brother could go against her. Um, And I also... It was interesting how... Like, once again, Ming knew everything, but decided to, like, pass off the responsibility to someone else, right? Like, Ming could have stopped her. Ming could have, like, you know, okay, but, called it Okay, but in. to be
0: fair, Ming was off his rocker because, <laughs> he, like, he collapsed. He was at the hospital. Like, I think James made the right decision to leave him in the hospital because <laughs> who, who knows what Ming would have uh, gotten into.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: I will say I, okay, so like I half read this book uh, on audiobook Mm -hmm. and Brian Nishi, uh, Brian Nishili was the uh, narrator and he did a phenomenal job with all of the characters. He had different voices for each (laughs) one. And when it was revealed that Olen could speak English, like he switched to commonwealth singaporean english and i was like whoa he can do the accent that's so cool (laughs) so it made the reveal like much uh much more dramatic uh just like listening to it
1: it was a very like i want to see this in like film form when she like turns on her like kaiser soze like switch and like becomes like a whole like eloquent english speaker
0: yeah like, oh, she can't, it's like, oh, she doesn't know English. And then she pulls off the most posh English accent it's possible. Definitely,
1: it's definitely like a, a uh, it's definitely a play on like when I don't know if you've been through this, but like when like Chinese people try to speak Chinese in front of me because they think I can't understand because I'm ABC. I'm like, no, I can totally understand everything you're saying.
0: Yeah. I mean, that was also like a that was also like a good um character trait between like the brothers. So James doesn't know any uh, Mandarin. Maybe like very very basic Mandarin. And then Ming is fluent. Mm-hmm. Um he's kept up with his Mandarin because like in college he took college level Mandarin classes. I don't know how fluent Dago is, but fluent enough to understand. So the I thought that was typically
1: u- is most fluent because they most probably fluent, use yeah. the most Chinese at home too.
0: Yeah, so I thought that was a very and like, I thought that was like a really good detail among like the three brothers yeah. um, because fluence because language is so private and and like fluency like that that depends on your relationship with your parents. Yeah.
1: And it's also it. And, yeah. And also makes sense because like especially when with like bigger families like the younger siblings are typically raised more by their older siblings than by their parents at that point.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. What did you think about the resolution of Taco's case? Were you expecting him to get off
0: or did you did it go as well? Oh no, he was 100% going to jail. Like <laughs> like again, I'm very cynical. So anytime a person of color is on trial and uh the prosecution is trying to paint them as um you know, as evil like out Because, like, the way that we're, they were painting Dago, is was like, oh, he's an unfilial son. Like, his dad, like, sacrificed everything for him. He's ungrateful. And he's, like, a bad immigrant. Look at his skin tone. He's darker than other good Asians. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, they're yeah. going through all of the tricks. There's no way he's going to get off. And the fact and that, that the entire they, jury he,
1: was white, too.
0: Oh, yeah, that, too. <laughs> and they're from the same town. I'm like, I feel like they're, like... I feel like they should have there has to be some kind of rule about that because if everybody (laughs) knows each other in town then obviously you're gonna have a bias um but the moment Dago went to go testify i was like no it's game over there's no fucking way like this guy is too impulsive everybody's telling him you can't so you can't testify you like you're gonna just talk yourself into a grave like what the hell (laughs) and sure enough like he you know he gets very emotional he says yeah I thought about killing my dad I this is a recurring dream that I had because my dad is shitty and I have trauma but it doesn't mean that I actually went through with it and I'm also like a coward there's no way I can do that to my to my father I just like can't do it but I'm like you just you just said this to how many people in court that you thought about killing your dad? How many times? It was pretty
1: ill-advised. And as much as I liked his speech and I thought it was very heartfelt and emotional, it was also like a very bad decision to do that in court.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And was it, was it Lynn in uh, her blog post who was like, Oh, will they let the heartfelt Asian free? And I'm like, no, absolutely fucking not. Like it's not going to happen. Um, yeah, like the 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 actual quote was, "Will the jury believe a flawed but heartfelt Asian man?" I'm like, "When has the court ever sided with <laughs> a, a a person of color?" Yeah. And this had so so much like circumstantial evidence. I'm like, there's like the fact that it could even be on trial." I was like, "Wow. Okay." I
1: feel like it was over the moment that the potential eating of a dog became the main storyline. Right, because yeah. they're like, oh, the the courtroom erupted in cheers. Like, who's cheering for justice for Leo child? No, they're cheering for justice for Alf. But Alf wasn't even dead, you idiots.
0: Yeah, Alf was adopted by the racist family.
1: <laughs> huh. All right. Um, yeah, but
0: reading all of the the bullying flashbacks, I will say it was a little bit triggering. I've, like I haven't dealt with like racist bullying growing up. Actually, most of my bullying were by other Korean Americans. Funnily mm. enough, but um, I'm sure it is like it is like a common uh, experience that happens to um, people who are marginalized and yeah,
1: especially if you're growing up as the only or one of the only Asian faces in like a town like when when you're young like differences is reason enough to bully someone
0: yeah and like the fact that the bullying was like so harsh you know like um, it, it wasn't even just physical I'm it I mean physical bullying is is also bad but uh, the fact that they were like throwing all these slurs so casually Um, yeah, I was like, oh man, like even though I didn't have this experience, like it, it really did hit, you know, Yeah. and it did make me wonder, um, I was like, oh, is this like, oh, is this how like Midwest Asian Americans feel? Cause we, we talked about this before on this podcast, like how like, how like East coast Asians, West coast Asians and Midwest Asians are like all very different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like. And they also portray that in the book, right? Because like, there's the two scare cousins who moved up from Houston who are like totally down for Chinese food and okay with working at the Chinese restaurant. And they like, oh, you know, it's all nurture, right? It's not nature. It's definitely nurture. Like if you oh, yeah. grew up. I mean,
0: listening. no one comes out of the womb being like, I hate Asian people. That's just <laughs> not something that happens. Yeah. But, you know, like re- I, I'm really glad that we read this now and not like when it, when it came out it came out in like early 2022 if i'm correct Mm. uh but like with you know all of the anti-asian attacks during um like the middle of the pandemic you know i think this would have been really hard for me to read but it's nice to have like a bit of you know distance even though those attacks are still happening but with less frequency and um yeah i'm Like, I thought it was witty and entertaining. Like I said, I'm pretty (laughs) cynical. (laughs) I like dark comedy, so I did find it pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Um, We talked about all the members of the family except for the mother, Winnie. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on Winnie? (laughs) I feel like she was like, she's a central part of the story, but she was also kind of barely there. Right.
0: I know that uh, some of the complaints that I have read have been like oh winnie how could she leave behind her family like that and this is why i think this is kind of like a post immigrant novel because <laughs> we're so used to seeing the the chinese immigrant your man, mom. Like stand duty, by your man like stand by your man swallow all of the abuse like you Pride do everything is more important for your son yeah safety <laughs> and then with her she was like as soon as james went to college she's like i'm out like <laughs> i was like i was like respect like, do do you? I mean, your sons are grown. They can make their own decisions. Yeah. Uh, so I really liked her decision to, you know, be a nun and...
1: I also definitely all her possessions. Yeah. I mean, I definitely also like understand her decision. Like I did not fault her for leaving this terrible man and like extricating herself from this terrible situation. Like I'm sure her life at the, you know, she, she was still plagued with worry for her sons and for some reason still really cared about her husband, but I'm sure her life at the temple at the spiritual house was way more peaceful than at home.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean having a husband like Leo Chow is it's not a fate that I would, you know, want <laughs> for anyone. And to the people who say, "Oh, well, Asian immigrant mothers would like never do that." Um I know a couple of Asian immigrant moms who have said goodbye as soon as their kids went to college. It's actually a much more common experience than you think.
1: Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um yeah we should wrap up our discussion um any final thoughts on the family chow
0: well i kind of want to read the brothers karamazov because i want to see like how lance mytha chang like did parallels to all the characters is there like a uh, movie
1: i can watch instead like i'm sure there
0: is cuz this like this book came out like a long time ago <laughs> i'm sure it's been adapted a couple of times but um i don't know like I, I am curious, but do I have time? That's that's <laughs> the question. We, that <laughs> do true. we have time? That's true. Although, like, I, I feel like I, I feel like Russian literature also has, like, that dark humor. So maybe I'll enjoy it.
1: <laughs> Aren't they super dense, though? I hear they're, like, very, like, dense in, like, prose and content and page length.
0: Yeah, I've only read, uh, I've only read Russian plays, so uh, <laughs> those actually have, like, a limit on on the page count, but when yeah. it comes to novels no they they really don't hold back on <laughs> on on their length so, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, no, I really enjoy this book too it definitely i f- want to it'd be cool to see this in like in classrooms too as like a a companion to other classics like joy Le Club and those like those other immigrant stories because i think i think it is important to see like more sides to like the asian immigrant story um not just like portrayals of bay area families or la families or new york families but also midwest families and like the different ways that like immigration can mess people up
0: yeah yeah i think it would be an interesting combo Uh, the Joy Luck Club and uh, the family chow, because you have mothers and daughters and, like, the immigrant strife and uh, kind of have, like, the generational trauma in a very, like, melodrama way. And then you have the family chow, where it's, you know, father and sons and people being shitty. (laughs) And (laughs) (laughs) it's, like, very crass. And I'm like, it's two sides of, of, like, the same... uh, Yeah. Like, you know, two sides of the Asian American experience. And I feel like it would be a very interesting uh, syllabus, you know, for. And I
1: think, yeah, and definitely like a good way, like in the future, when I recommend this book to people, I'm just going to tell them it's like Chinese Succession. If you like Succession, you'll probably like the vibes that this book It's gives like out. Chinese
0: Succession, but like in a small town with yeah. a small family business.
1: All right. I guess um, on that note, that'll do it for our discussion of The Family Chow uh, by Lance Matthew Chang. Um, if you have any thoughts on our discussion or would like to give your own feedback on the book, uh, please let us know either on Goodreads or if you are a Patreon subscriber on our Discord server. Um, as always, we would love to hear what you think about our episodes and our discussion and with september out of the way it's now time for spooky month 2023 and for this spooky month we open it up to our patreon listeners um, to let us know what they think we should read for october and we had a lot of really great suggestions and came up with um, our choice so rira why don't you tell us what we are reading for october 2023
0: Yeah, we are reading Natural Beauty by Lingling Huang. And it is a horror contemporary slash queer novel. Um, And it's about a young musician who enters an elite beauty obsessed world uh, where perfection comes at a staggering cost. So this is going to be a book about, (laughs) I guess, the horrors of the cosmetic. Um, (laughs) I guess this is going to be a book about like, the dark side of cosmetic surgery and just like the price of beauty and consumerism and self-worth. So I think it'll be a very fitting read for spooky month. Yeah.
1: Very Asian.
0: <laughs> yeah. Very Asian. A very Asian. Yeah. Horror I hope setup. it's not too gory though. I honestly like have a hard time reading scenes where there's like surgery and, mm. and blood, but I will do my best. <laughs>
1: yeah thank you to um patreon subscriber jennifer hatfield for suggesting this book to us um we're looking forward oh it's to a, a new
0: book too it came out in it came out earlier this year it came out in april
1: um yeah looking forward to reading that looking forward to the creepy vibes uh, but with that thank you so much for listening to our discussion of the family child by Lance samantha chang we'll see y'all next time bye everybody Bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Riri Rayu, and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Booksandboba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to Booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at Booksandboba.com.
0: I'm Charlene Kay. I'm a musician, songwriter, and guitarist. Growing up, I loved music. Whether it was pop, acoustic, emo, I ate it all up. But as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories, and it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.